Welcome back to Single Minded. I am your host, Hannah First. And I'm your co-host, Linda. Now, Hannah, we had a bit of a reveal <laughs> a few days ago on Instagram and I wanted to ask. It was kind of just for fun, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> I kind of did it for fun because I'm traveling with him for a month. So it's like, I won't be able to post anything at all. Yeah, I just was like, Who's fuck your it. Photographer? So I want to ask, is it too soon? to ask (laughs) is this guy (laughs) your I can barely say it is this guy your machine gun Kelly (laughs) slash Travis Barker slash Pete Davidson that's way too early to tell (laughs) so it looked like yesterday you did a hike Yeah, so we did, we've been doing a lot of exercise. We actually went for a run yesterday around the running track and then we did a walk around the lake and then we went to a waterfall and we walked all the way to the top. Mm. How many Ks, how many steps? Oh, well, we fell asleep at like 9 o'clock, so it was was a big day. Exhausting. (laughs) Exhausting. I was dead. He looks pretty crazy fit, so I'm sure he... (laughs) Uh, ran up and down. <laughs> Sorry, listen to this. He's not on Instagram. He doesn't know anything about it. And so I posted it and it started to get like thousands of likes really quickly. He's like, I thought you'd get 50 likes. <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> should I not have posted it? And he's like, mad enough. And so we're reading through all the comments and I'm reading them out to him and we just could not stop laughing. Maybe I'll read a couple now. Yeah, do that. Some of them were so funny. I'll just read some of the newest ones. I'm sorry, what? Yes, congrats, lol. Here for this. So much yes. There were a lot of fire emojis too. I'm so here for this. Um, excuse me, we need an explanation. Oh, my God. Love this. Yeah, you did. Oh, my God. Like, it's just, it was the fun. We were reading them all. It was so funny. Well, the explanation is go to Thailand and you might find what you're looking for. <laughs> I know people are going to know more details, but maybe that's <laughs> later down the track, unless you want to share anything. No, it's we're just having, like, such a nice time. Yeah, just a really, really fun trip. We're going to Koh Tao tomorrow. So we've been in Koh Samui. We're going to Koh Tao tomorrow. If you can believe it, I'm sleeping well. Next to somebody. Yeah. Yep. Sleeping like a baby every night. You don't have a spare, little spare single bed in the corner that you have to get into? No. Nah. Nah. Sleeping really well. Ah. Pretty much sleeping almost through the night. This is all good news. (sighs) No, it's not because he lives like a million Ah, miles away. That's true. But this is the thing with holiday romances. This is the stuff you have to, to deal with. Mm. Mm. On another topic, I'm sure you've seen Kim Kardashian's interview with Variety where she says, Oh, yeah. I have the best advice for women in business. Get your fucking ass up and work. It seems like nobody wants to work these days. You have to surround yourself with people who want to work, have a good work environment where people love what they do. You have one life, no toxic work environment and show up and do the work. There's a lot of work in that. So thoughts? Um, so I have I have a lot of thoughts on this. Well, first of all, she's making the assumption that women want to be billionaires like she is. Like she's assuming that that's what everyone wants and I don't want that. 
I think life is for living. It's not just for working. For some people it is, but for other people it's not. And so for her to just say no one wants to work anymore, well, that's not true. People do want to work, but some people don't just work isn't the center of everything that they do. They earn money to live. So I think that's like a false statement because she's assuming that all women want to be in business and all women, yeah, yeah, that women, it's just a such a weird thing to say when you you came from money. She had a leg up. Totally. And she was already in that famous circle. And so, mm. yes, she's been really savvy with her career, but you can't just say to people, you can't say that to people. Get your fucking ass up. Yeah. I think she should have said something like work hard or take risks or Rather than yeah. just assuming and saying people are lazy. Or turn, turn for her, turn a negative into a positive. So, mm, like, mm. she turned something that could have really broken someone down and decided, no, I'm not going to let this bring me down. I'm actually going to turn this into a positive. So, my main issue with it is it when I read that, I'm like, you're assuming that I want to be some billionaire like you, and I don't. So, you're making the wrong assumption. Yeah, but I will say one thing about her is that her stance on prison reform. Yeah. So she does work hard on social issues, not just about making more money. But my favourite tweet that I've come across, and I'm not on Twitter, but I read this, was from Sassy Little Hobbit. Yeah. And that person said, Kim Kardashian is not wrong. I don't want to work and I don't want to own a business. I don't want her (laughs) hassles. Her TV show looks exhausting. I don't want to wear the clothes she wears. They look uncomfortable. Yeah. I want to eat my potatoes and be left alone. I thought that sums it up. That sums it up for me too. Oh, that really sums it up. It's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. Her life's definitely not for everyone. Yep. No, even though, yeah, she does she does do other things other than make money. So, Hannah, I do myself in Melbourne have huge news for you. What? Uh, it's actually not just for you. It's for all single female listeners who live in Melbourne. Yes. Unless yes. you want to move here. So <laughs> I, I went to my, oh, my enrichment today for lunch and I ran into my coffee husband, also known to everyone yes. as Adam. So he yes. said he was listening to one of our podcasts and heard us talking about him and that he was in a relationship. Lo and behold. <laughs> what? Lo and behold, he tells me he is single and has been for six months. I nearly passed oh. out. Had I known six months ago I would have match made you two well before you went to <laughs> Thailand and met Machine Gun Kelly. And <laughs> so I'm putting the word out that there exists mm. a handsome, hardworking business owner with mm. fabulous teeth who makes great coffee. So first in <laughs> best dressed ladies. And I'm just so upset. He's gonna get he's gonna get um bombarded. That's okay. I didn't think he was single either. Well, I had no idea. Why didn't he tell me yeah. earlier? But he could have been my coffee son-in-law, so I'm I'm very disappointed. <laughs> but I'll get over it. If someone else uh gets lucky, good on you. <laughs> 
So today I'm talking to Lachlan Beaton. We knew each other from years ago. We've stayed in contact. I've been following what he's been up to. He sends me great quotes about work-life balance, about being happy. It's like him and I are the same person, but like he's a man and I'm a woman. So (laughs) we've got very similar ideas and we've done career changes and we've chosen life over money and all those sorts of things. So he has a really interesting take and story. So we'll get into that interview and we'll come back after Linda. On today's episode, I have Lachlan Beaton joining me. We knew each other years and years ago and we've stayed in contact through Instagram and you send me some really cool shit about work and all the kind of stuff that I'm really interested in. So welcome. So good to see you again. Thank you for having me. I'm a regular listener of your podcast. I love it. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I really love it. I wonder if I'm like the only male that listens, but I really like it. No, I get some I get some funny DMs from guys. And I love the dynamic you have with your mum. I just think it's fantastic. Kind of makes me feel like I'm, I don't know, all woman fuzzy every time I hear it. And can I I'm I'm such a fan that my parents live in Melbourne and or partly live in Melbourne. And I was walking down the street near where they live, and because I like it's got the photo of you and your mum on the podcast thing. I walked straight past your mum. And I felt like I knew her. I was like, where do I know this woman from? And it took me a little while to sort of click. And I was like, oh, okay, that's where it's from. I actually don't, you don't know her at all. But I felt like I did. Yeah, no, she gets recognised sometimes now, like when she gets coffee, which is really <laughs> fun for her. So today we're going to talk about, just to give everyone some background, I was posting stuff about work, work-life balance, blah, blah, blah. And you sent me this really, it's from New Happy Co. is the Instagram. And you sent me this thing called Old Happy. Mm. I actually posted it, reposted it to my Instagram. And then you said that you'd had this really big career change. So I really wanted to talk to you about the process and what made you decide to do it. So can you explain to me what this Old Happy concept is? Well, it's fascinating because the old happy, when I read it, like verbatim, it says, you know, for our whole life, you've been told to be successful, make money, be productive, get a good job, buy a house, win, show it off. It'll make you all happy. Yeah. And (laughs) when I listened to one of your podcasts, I, I thought this is almost what Hannah's talking about at the moment and some of her listeners. And I feel like it's our conditioning. It's kind of what we were taught as kids. And I feel like potentially because our parents, you know, grew up post-war and they probably were told they had to be successful and make a lot of money and buy a house and do all those things and we just got handed it by them. So Mm. thanks, parents, for that one. And I think that's why the younger kids now are probably not quite as much in this sort of old happy phase because their parents are my age, 40, and so perhaps they're sort of some slightly different values. But when I read that, it kind of almost makes me sick. (laughs) I'm just like, that sounds so miserable. What you said about the parents, because my dad's dad Mm. was an immigrant. He came here from Hungary. And yeah, it really makes sense that like he came here with nothing. He built his life from scratch and then that gets passed on and then it gets passed on. But you're right. Maybe the newer generation is a bit more like a bit more dreamers. I hope so. I think that will happen. And I think that's why, you know, mm. you, do you hear about people in the workplace now, that new generation, I can't remember, is it Z, Y, X? It's Gen Z. Gen Z are quite, you know, they want what they want. 
Whereas I think for me and potentially for you, by the sounds of it, when you first started mm. work, you just do what you're told. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, you do. And I, I, my first job was with KPMG as an accountant and I got sent home in my first week because they thought I was trying to cause an uprising by <laughs> encouraging people not to wear a tie on Fridays. I never understood tie culture. I never Awful. understood why men would have to wear this tight, choking thing around their neck. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> and so I actually lasted six months and so I felt like I knew I knew something bigger and better was out there. But I just followed on that whole what we're calling old happy and worked myself mm. to the bone, like literally didn't stop, didn't do the overseas trip when I was young. So what was your kind of career? What was that career? Like so you started at KPMG, you lasted six months. Yeah. And so what was after that? Yeah, so then I went and um, – I did my CPA, so I went and worked for a film production company working in their finance team, and so I was trying to make what was fairly boring and interesting kind of lifestyle, (laughs) and it was. It was kind of interesting, and then I ended up finishing my CPA and working and studying and being incredibly busy, and then I worked in funds management, and I worked during the GFC, and so I remember turning up to work one day and my boss saying, we need you to take a 30% pay cut because we can't afford to pay our staff. And mm-hmm. that was a massive wake-up for me because I actually had a mortgage at the time. It was a very small mortgage, but I couldn't afford to pay the mortgage by taking a pay cut. So I actually left and I kind of felt like this whole thing that we've been taught is going to look after us, these big jobs. Mm. That there's no such thing, you know. They'll kick you out as soon as they're having problems themselves. And so I took yep. some time out and reassessed and ended up starting again in communications. And I worked in communications for about 10 years following that and loved it. I was able to be very creative, but I quickly found myself back in that be successful, make money, be productive, get a good job. Like I ended up sitting on the board of a a big company here and in New Zealand and I was never home. Uh, I was travelling every week. It sounded quite glamorous, but... There were relationship breakdowns. There was no time for friends. But I had everything. You know, I had a house. I had good money. I was tick, tick, tick. I was going to say, did you find that as you get more successful, because I find that I do this, Mm. you start to accumulate more stuff? Way more stuff. Way (laughs) more stuff. My house was like a shrine of just crap, like to be honest. (laughs) And it was a big house, you know, and I had this big mortgage and everything was big. And yeah. But I remember. I was 33 at the time and I was sitting, I went on a board retreat with this company and we were being asked how we sort of felt about our roles because at that moment I was actually helping them sack a whole bunch of people. That was my job. Mm. And I started crying in the board meeting. (laughs) I was like, they're miserable. (laughs) I don't like this at all and I just want to be home. (laughs) And there was the start of a bit of an awakening and I found a journal that I wrote that day, this morning, actually, and it's it's like. Yes, this is a good segue because I want to hear about the, like, awakening. That was, like, what I really wanted to hear about. Well, Brené Brown calls them spiritual awakenings and I remember thinking at the time, I'm going to take that. (laughs) Yeah. And so I I took her first book with me to Thailand in 2015. (laughs) (laughs) And I went on a, a spiritual retreat, which was, you know, it was. I think I've told you about the place. It was Chavasom. And so Oh, I know, yeah. yeah there's not yeah. a lot yep. spiritual about it, to be honest. Um yep. it was just 
It was very nice and beautiful. <laughs> Old men walking around in robes, basically. And <laughs> in this journal that I wrote, I was like, I have everything I need. Like I have a house. It was a big house. I have a nice car. I have a very high paying job, but I'm really unhappy. And I, f- mm. and I actually wrote in this journal that I feel like I'm at the bottom of mm. the barrel in terms of happiness. And at the time, I didn't kind of understand why. Now I do. Just to back up, that's really interesting that you chose, like, a, I know that place in Thailand, that's like a five-star fancy retreat place. Mm. So it was interesting that you chose, like, the nicest of the nice. Yeah, it was $1,000 a night. When you're in the middle of... <laughs> oh my god you know it was like it was ridiculous so you had everything and you were in this amazing place and still just like like why am I not happy awful and I didn't know how to cope because Mm. how do you talk to people about I'm not happy but they'll just say well you kind of have everything you know you've got this great job and but I wasn't happy and so I felt like it was uh, really sort of like privileged and unfair to even talk to people about this. Mm. But I did have some friends or one friend in particular who had been through a similar process. So it was a bit of a role model. And the only way to really get through that for me was to really blow everything up. And <laughs> and I did, you know, I really did. I made a good go of it. I, I started drinking a lot, partying. I quit my job, mm-hmm. completely gave it away because I didn't know how to pivot away from it. I didn't have a plan. Yeah. And so I feel like people may be a bit more conscious, like you, when you're talking to your listeners, they're a bit more conscious about trying to change their lifestyle. But when I was doing it seven years ago, no one was really doing it. Like a whole work-life balance was just laughed at. Mm. And so I had a really difficult time and I had a great time at the same time, but I kind of did blow it up. And fortunately I lived to tell the tale, but through that process, I was able to discover what real happiness is, for me anyway. Mm. Yeah. I don't think, I think people blow up their lives all the, like you think of midlife crises when it's like the stereotypical thing is like the guy that, you know, leaves his wife, gets a young girlfriend, blah, 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 Mm. blah. I think people do choose unhealthy ways to make changes because it's kind of like, you think you've got everything, so you're like, you know what? I'm just gonna like hit the bottom, and then I can rebuild from there, or something like yeah. that. I don't know if that's sort of how you felt. I think so. And I remember talking to my psychologist at the time about it, and he said to me, "Do you know what is the number one way in which people are able to make radical change?" And I'm like, "Ah, oh, you know, willpower. I don't know, a bit of luck." And he's <laughs> like, "No, no, no." And then he says, "It's a crisis usually." <laughs> And it really rung true to me, and I'm not advocating that people go out there and have a crisis, but no, you can have yeah. a you can have a mini crisis in terms of you know I, I yeah. want to take some time off work, or you know I want to go back down to a four day week or a three day week, or go and do some study. Like you could term that a bit of a crisis, I think, in a way as well. When this happened to me, definitely it was crisis. I stopped sleeping. I was like desperately unhappy, lockdowns, working mm, from home. Mm. I'd just been given a promotion, been given more money, more responsibility. Everything was like on the outside. Everything was going really well. I was so stressed out and I was really embarrassed because I didn't want people at work to think I had fallen apart. Mm. But I emailed my boss and was just like, I'm not coming in. I'm taking stress leave. And that was the moment. I was like, what am I doing? Like this is so 
similar to you, you have everything on the outside, but mm. you're like, you can't actually keep up. Like your stress. I mean, I'm just not, some people like thrive on really, really high stress environments. Well, I wonder if they do, but I don't. Yeah, I wonder if they do too because I don't either. And so I, if, if mm. the opportunity arises to put myself in that position, I just don't take it now because I just know that I won't cope. Same. And I feel like maybe some people survive it through having a lot of these old happy things around, like, you know, the big house and the big car and the big holidays is just distractions because I feel like we all have our limits. And I, I certainly look at some people around me and I feel like asking them, are you really happy? You know, mm. is everything okay? Yeah. Because I'm sure some of them would love to talk about it, love to go, I'm just miserable. Yeah. But it's about having people around you that you can say that to. Because a lot of people don't want to hear that as well, do they? Kind of like <gasps> recoil. Yeah, I think that it's it's not popular I always say this now. I say it like really openly and publicly. I was like on, um, I did like an ABC article and I reread it and it actually made me a bit, ugh, because I can't believe I said it so publicly. But I said like work is no longer the centre of my universe and mm. that I think for most people it can be quite a foreign concept because you build your life around this job or career. Yeah. And to me that just is backwards like you should do the things that you love at the center and then yeah. the works the work supports financially like i mean some people are really lucky that their work is but a lot of people don't have that luxury that their work is so interesting and so exciting yeah 100% and and on further to that is it a bit of a fallacy that we have to find our life passion you know like yeah. wouldn't it be better if we just find ways to find joy in every day yeah, and just have passions that don't necessarily like make money, but yeah. your work that you work in, you know, yeah. X number of hours a week that helps support you. Yeah, 100%. And so that's part of the old happy, I think, is you've got to find your passion. And I call bullshit on it, to be honest, because can you really be passionate forever about one thing you choose to do for 40 hours a week? Mm. I don't know about that. I'd rather have 10 or 15 little things that give me some sort of passion and it might be that you have a week where you don't have heaps of it, but I'd kind of prefer that personally. Yeah. It's just a bit of a different way of looking at it, I guess. I think everyone has their own definition of what mm. happiness or they call this new happy, don't mm. they? Mm. Yeah. I mean, everyone's definition is different. What's your definition? Yeah, the definition for me, and I have this post-it note on my desk, you know, every year I go to do my goals for the year mm -hmm. and there's only one <laughs> ever. <laughs> What's the goal? And it's simplicity, you know. Oh, Everything I do, every yes. decision I make has to involve simplicity. And so, for instance, you know, a very basic example, I was offered positions to study at many different places last year all over the country and I chose you know, it might seem very straightforward, but I chose the one that was closest to home and would give me interaction with people because that would mean I don't have to travel around or move or even though the other options were probably better academically. And so mm. for me, it's simplicity. It's about having some joyful things in your life rather than prioritising a passion. It's about finding joy in a small group of friends rather than trying to conquer a hundred friends. <laughs> so true. And the beauty of the beauty of having a, a real change and a, a bit of a crisis, I think, is that it really washes out who your friends are and who they're not. 
And so when I was living yeah. this really big sort of vivacious life, it probably wouldn't shock you that my house was always full of people. Mm. And, you know, when I changed that and decided to live a really simple life, like I lived in a three-storey terrace, I now live in a very small apartment and I could probably pack my stuff up in a day and it's not glamorous. That's how I choose to live. A lot of those people I never saw again, ever. Mm, yeah. Not even yeah. text messages or anything. And so I'd say mm. 95% of the people in my life from that stage I never heard from again. And so it helped me discover who my friends were. But, yeah, that new happy is like is absolute simplicity and all the way down to material stuff because I feel like, you know, if your life is simple materially, it's so much easier to decide to pack up and go travel or to go and move and live somewhere different. But when you've got like bounds of stuff everywhere, you feel like you're chained to it, I think. Mm. And also the more possessions you have, technically, the harder you probably have to work to sustain them. Yeah. And so the less material possessions I've had, I've found the less I have to work as well. And I've chosen to live in a place that it's still nice. I live by the beach and not on the beach, but near the beach, but it's very small. But it's super affordable, which means I don't have to work heaps. Mm. People forget that. People totally forget that totally. your outgoings. Like, yeah. We yeah, dig totally. our own graves, you know, like uh, this place, if I was renting it, would be about a third as much as I used to pay, right? And that's mm. a couple of days work a week. And so I, I actually is, choose yeah. not to work those days. Yes. Oh. Yeah, so that to me, and also the new happy for me is learning and being creative because I was not a creative type person, but I recently listened to a Brene Brown podcast where she says, you know, the future is for the creators and the learners, and I believe that 100%. If we are going to evolve as a species, we need people to be out there creating and learning. And you also need the people who are on the conga line doing their thing in corporate, but I feel like without the creators and the learners, we're going to be stuck. Mm. And so, yeah, that's new happy for me too, you know, like I'd rather create something for next to nothing or that can just pay the bills than, I don't know, sit in a boardroom and debate absolutely boring stuff. Oh, you know, God, like, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> like literally I remember saying. Meaningless. Yeah, yeah. these guys in a board meeting, guys, do you realise what we're debating here? <laughs> really? We're spending all day talking about this. Well, wow. One of my followers sent me in on this topic had said she was at the office, I think works in product, and mm-hmm. these two people were like arguing with each other and it was getting heated. And then I think someone yelled out, guys, it's just toothpaste. <laughs> like that's <laughs> like that's 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 what happens. <gasps> take it so seriously. Yeah, well, I take, take that up a notch. I worked in the tobacco industry, so there was a proof. Oh, it was just yeah. Oh, you did? You said that? Can you yeah, share that story? So what I, was that? Uh, I mean, I remember sitting in a meeting saying, guys, we're selling cigarettes. Are you serious? Yeah. We are literally like creating something that kills people. Like let's just not get stressed about this. Yeah. At the time when I was doing it, I I, I, I feel repulsed that I worked in that industry mm. now, but I was 30. I was 31 Yeah. when I finished. And I loved it at the time because it was all of this old happy. It was like something out of a movie. Yeah. I kid you not. Was it like like whining and dining? Whining type? and dining. And yeah. I had to get used to actually using my own credit card again when I stopped working for them. Like it was just the only thing that I like take solace with now that I didn't last there long. 
I was asked to stay mm. there and I only stayed there for a couple of years because I felt the moral issue with it. And since yeah. that point in time, I've spent more than four or five years volunteering to kind of make up for that time because I do feel I felt like it left a bit of a hole in my spirit mm. and I do heaps of volunteering work now. And so, but I feel like we all make mistakes, right, when we're young and that was for me was oh, kind I, of one. I worked in gaming. I worked at a casino. Yeah, right. I do remember that. <laughs> similar. I feel oh, like we've got pretty similar God. trajectories in our wow. life. I really liked what you said about simplicity though because that's really hit me at the moment. I'm obviously in Thailand and I was walking around. Mm-hmm. I haven't really bought anything fancy over here. It's just like Birkenstocks and like just a cheap dress, cheap food. Like I had street food the other day mm. and it just, you don't need like I feel much calmer and more peaceful right now spending a lot less. Mm. Like I remember being in Melbourne and doing fancy dinners. You know, you spend so much money and you're just like, did I enjoy that, you know? Yeah, and brunches and like trying oh. to keep up and you kind of, it's very hard to eject out of that and I completely yeah. get it. I kind of, because I was living in a very sort of hustle-bustle gay community in Sydney and I ejected myself mm. out of it and so I, I kind of live a very anonymous life now and so I can afford mm. to be super quiet but I'm the same. Like I love my my cupboards are full of like cotton on billabong and industry and that's it and it's like white and gray and black i haven't bought a pair of jeans actually i've bought one pair of jeans since 2015 and i'm not a a hobo but i just i don't know i just find it easier and it means i can do other things simple yeah and so i get it your story about being in thailand i can relate to being here yeah away from a lot of my old friends and family and so i can easily not engage in all those things Mm. And I can tell you now, like talking about new, happy, old, happy, like comparing my old life where I was earning more money, had more money, lived in a bigger house, had more material things. I am so much more happier now Mm. without those things. Like I have the evidence, you know, and I did try to go back into corporate a few times thinking it's going to be different (laughs) this time that wasn't. Tell you now, but it's not. If it's bad when you're there for you, and some people love it, then it's probably going to be like that forever. All right. So, this is a dating podcast. I want to get some goss on your love life to wrap things up. (laughs) I know you're engaged. You sent me. You sent me an engagement story. Like, (laughs) oh yeah. Well, you know what? I've I've had all sorts of relationships over my time, and you know what? It was fraught with lots of ups and downs when I was younger, mm-hmm. coming out as gay when I was 27 and got sort of straight into a relationship and I wasn't ready. We bought a house together. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. He was 24 and I think I was 28 or something. We bought a house together and we had a, a nice time but we were both very young and I was sort of off. I wanted to, I remember coming home one day saying we're moving to Sydney and I'm off to New Zealand for three months and he was like okay. WTF. And so that was the yeah. this beginning of the end because I was prioritising work. And then I met a guy in New York and we we had a very serious relationship and then I came back because I got involved in the marriage equality campaign and it was full on. I was on like the front page of the newspapers and stuff telling my story about coming uh-huh. out and I left him and he was he was pretty devastated. And unfortunately, he actually passed away a couple of years later, 
we mm. kept in touch uh, a bit, but yeah, the poor guy had some health problems and passed away, and so that oh. was a bit of a sad story. But yeah, life goes on, right? And it wasn't mm. whilst we were together, but yeah, it was still pretty sad to sort of you know see someone not well. And yeah, I met a, a guy here three years ago. I have quite exotic taste. <laughs> He's from Chile, <laughs> and we met on Tinder. This is when Tinder was still cool and we were speaking with Google Translate. He told me he could speak English but he couldn't and I took him out. I took him to a bakery and gave him a meat pie and a seagull swooped down and grabbed it out of his hand on our first date. And so he's like, who is this guy? Like am I like meeting some weird stranger? And so we've pretty much been together since. We've had our ups and downs and, you know, I don't drink and I I don't party and so that's always a challenge for me dating and I suspect probably the same for women but in the gay community you know partying is quite central too and it's not a problem for us now because he doesn't either but dating when you're not drinking is really hard. Yeah no it's really challenging I had a guy not that long ago he I went for coffee on the first date and I was like yeah I'm not drinking at the moment and he was like fine about it sort of and then I think we he'd suggested like or I suggested like let's go get a drink thinking I'll just have a coffee or whatever or like Mm. a diet coke or and he was like oh my god are you drinking and it just kept it instantly turned me off because he was so desperate for me to have a drink and I was like why yeah desperate yeah (laughs) yeah 100 percent. and it's it's like it cannot just doesn't compute for some people yeah so I found that really hard. Like, what are you weird or something? Like, yeah, what's wrong yeah. with you? Yeah. And my partner at the moment doesn't drink either. But yeah, that's always been a challenge for me. But I'm quite happy on my own, you know. But I've never been mm. alone much, so I can't say that. It's a bit stupid. <laughs> but I think one reason why I related to your podcast in the beginning is that as a gay man who probably won't have kids and before I came out, you know, the amount of times I get asked, well, have you met someone? Have you met someone? Mm. You know, when are you And you came out someone? at 27, right? 27. Yeah. yeah. So that's... When are you going to meet someone? I'd go to family <laughs> weddings. Have you met someone You would yet? have had and years just, of just, that. Oh, yeah. awful. The most awful. Aren't yeah. they the worst conversations? Yeah. You feel like saying none of your effing business. But <laughs> I don't know. I guess women have, when are you having kids? Like, well, I don't yeah. get that. But I do get that. It's literally when are you going to conform to the way I live and join me in the misery of sameness. (laughs) (laughs) So I shouldn't say that, that's all. (laughs) No, it's so funny because ever since I've been really open about it, I mean everyone I know knows I'm like this. The Mm. only problem with the way that I live and the way that I am is I do chop and change a lot and I'm always searching. Mm. And I know that about myself. I'm always searching for something Mm. different, for something new, for something more excited like I am genuinely like I know that about myself and I get bored really easily but I'm also kind of accepting that's just how I am like yeah I'm never gonna have the same life year after year year after year for the rest of my life that's just not how I'm built and so people think I'm really flighty and impulsive but like that's just how I am I get bored of things and I'm like ready for the next thing and you know, and how great that you have the courage to follow that. And I say own it because I'm the same. Okay. How many times have you had someone say to you, "Oh God, you're t- you're changing again"? Yes, 
Oh, oh really? Yeah. yeah. You're going yeah. to Thailand again? <laughs> yeah. Like I've I've had those conversations with different things. Like, oh, you're changing courses. Like, why again? Are you sure? Yeah. And it's like, it's so frustrating. Yeah. I used to be kind of like, oh, people must think I'm so like, I think flighty would be the right word. But now I'm just like, there's pros and cons of it, but that's mm. just how I am. And that's just the kind of person that I am. And my mum always says, now you just get bored easily. And that's just the way that you are. Yeah, and own it. And that's fine. Yeah. I'd almost prefer to be like that. Than, <laughs> I wonder whether people who don't get bored easily are just able to put up with a bit of like unhappiness a bit more. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I think that it's like, and this is the whole thing with changing careers, is that it's so natural to me to change and do something mm. new for a few years. But mm. for a lot of people, that thought is really scary, I think. And it is because really you scary. work up. You know, you work up in your job to earn more money, more money, more money. But from my experience, the more money you make doesn't necessarily mean that equals a better life. There's only a certain amount. I, I think after a while, like for me especially, I just start spending it. You need a bigger house, oh, you yeah. need a better car, you need this, you need that. Yeah. 100%. A psychologist told me in 2009 when I was talking about taking a big job, he said, the research says that once your salary goes over X, and it was yep. higher but not crazy. I think it's 70 or 80, isn't it? It was a bit higher than that. Okay. But it was like sort of, it was basically once you get to middle management yeah, or yeah, yeah, senior okay. management sort of salaries, your level of happiness is not necessarily going to keep going. And you're right, my experience of earning more money is it just went out the door. Yeah. It was like yeah. disappearing. So where did that go? And so you just ended up with the same but with more stress. I really like the idea because I do, like at the moment I'm three, going into my fourth month here I think, going into my third month and then I'm mm. doing another month. Mm. And by the time I finish that I'll be ready to go back to work because I've had like such a good break off. But I'm almost happy mm. to work for a year or two and then do this again. Like I don't, for me personally, I don't feel that there's an issue with like taking time off work no. spending the money that I would have spent on something you know what I mean like I just I'm happy to do that I think it's awesome oh <laughs> yeah I have friends that do that they literally yeah they say, work like I'm coming home to work for two years and then I'm yep. off again yeah and they're very happy oh this has been such a good chat I love this topic so much it's so nice to catch me too. again me too big time So, Linda, what did you think? Not really your life philosophy, but no, I I was listening to that saying, well, I don't I don't think I've ever had work life balance, but mm -hmm. for me, the work created the life, and I'm not unhappy with how that went. So, I think I will stick to my old happy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Get a job, buy a house, <laughs> blah 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 blah. Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. thinking, I actually don't think I was told that, by the way, as a younger person, but I met Rob, who had that built into his DNA. He'd already bought a mm. house on his own in his mid-20s. But just, and just to let people know, well, Dad's dad was an immigrant. He was in the Holocaust, came here with nothing, couldn't speak yes. English. So that obviously was built into his DNA. Yes, and... I was going to say I was fortunate enough just to move into that house in the days before what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. He didn't ask yeah. me to sign any legal document. Crazy. Because I basically had nothing and he had the house with a mortgage. Mm. 
And I actually did have a fun job when I was younger in TV production, but it was very poorly paid. I just had enough Mm. for rent and bills, but I did love it. So you were kind of in content, to be fair. Well. TV production. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Love his idea of simplicity. Mm Mm-hmm. I've already downsized house-wise and possession-wise. I've also packed up an aunt's house, my mother-in-law's house. Neither of them had made any attempt to declutter, so I'm very conscious not to leave you kids with my stuff. And as you know, Rob is a bit more of a hoarder. I have just talked him around to getting rid of his stereo equipment purchased uh, 2005 and <laughs> we are so feeling <gasps> fresh and empty. Ruby talked yep. me into doing my wardrobe and shoes and I have been walking yep. in there feeling so happy because I just wear the same things every day and why did I so need all I. those clothes and high heels? I don't even wear high heels. Oh and also when you go bike riding, I'm about yeah. to go on a bike ride in April you clip your panniers onto the side of your bike, you have got just one spare change of clothes for the night Yeah, and you have no choice. You just wake up, packed in two minutes and off you go and I absolutely love that. Well, it's been the same for me here. I, I don't know how I brought 30 kilos of luggage because I don't feel oh like I God. have that much. What have you done with it all? Well, I – so – I don't have that many clothes. The guy actually said he saw my clothes hanging up. He's like, that's all you've got. Like, I don't really have much here. I don't know how I – how did I bring 30 kilos over with me? I thought you did take a bit. Mm, Nah, I think it might have been the beauty products and the skincare. I'm basically almost run out of skincare. Like, I'm running out of everything because it's going to be four months by the time I get home. Right, so you've, yeah, you've reduced. I'm really used to now living four months on like not nearly as much as I have at home. You look like you've got a bit of tie-dye going on there. Oh, yeah, I bought some tie-dye. You don't <laughs> like the tie-dye, do you? I love tie-dye in Thailand. I'm not sure about yeah. wandering around Richmond in tie-dye, but you could give it a go. Yeah, no, I love <laughs> the tie-dye. Oh, by the way, the guy from the gym messaged me for all of those that saw my fitness retreat that I went on quite a few people made bookings to come over to Thailand to do that fitness retreat yeah really wow that's great yeah I should be one of them but I don't think I'm ever (sighs) going to be fit enough for that you me and Ruby should all go over one year and do a month there together well I think you mean Rob you and Ruby I couldn't lift my leg up to kick to kick somebody It's all different fitness levels and they cater to like all different fitness levels. For example, like on Tuesdays, the runners go for a run and then the people that can't run go for a hike. You like that. You like hiking. I don't mind that, but do you reckon what's the what's the age group? Oh, all the way up to like mid-50s. Mm, okay, well, I'm... It's like from 20s to 50s. It's like a real mix. Okay. I loved it. I texted him back and just said it was like the most genuine review because I just loved it and I'll be back for sure. I also really like for those people that I'm in Lamai Beach in Costa Mui at the moment. I love Lamai Beach. The food is amazing. The vegan food's really good. There's just such a variety of food. It's just a really, there's a really, listen to this. So we've got a villa right on the beach. It is 40 yes. Australian dollars a night. That's $20 each oh, a night. my goodness. Wow. It's a villa. It's like a big villa right on this beautiful, like crystal clear beach. Yeah, that's um, 
Crystal Bay. I highly recommend Crystal Bay in Costa Mui. And then the gym is down the road. And just one step back, why vegan food? Well, no, I've been eating. Aren't you vegetarian? Yeah, but the vegan food, I needed all the protein. I was starting to get really lightheaded oh, in the working out. Yep. So I went and got like these Buddha bowls. They're massive Buddha bowls and you choose what you want in there and it's they're delicious. But maybe we'll have to do a Thailand episode where mm. I give all my tips and tricks for people that mm. want to come over to Thailand. Yeah. Okay. So I've got a final story for you. Okay. <laughs> I've got another one. Sure. Ruby and Hannah, this can be cut if it's weird. <laughs> okay. 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 So I've got just. <laughs> so last night we were walking to have dinner and we came across a guy in a hoodie cap and backpack standing in one of our back lanes in the street. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. is it just me or would that arouse suspicion in anyone? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just you maybe. Just me. We went to the end of the street and waited hoping we would scare him off because in my mind he was definitely about to graffiti something and you know how we feel about graffiti. Ah, yes, yes. So Eventually, he had sort of headed off towards the train. So I started videoing him just in case I came back and found our oh, building or Linda. our neighbor's building graffitied after dinner. Is that bad? Yes. Anyway, he turned, he turned round and started to come back and caught me with my phone up videoing. Oh, Linda. So he came up and yep. said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm watching you because I think you may be wanting to graffiti. And he said, what the fuck? Check my backpack. And I said, well, okay, if you insist. So he opened it up <laughs> on the ground. I thought we were getting on at this stage. No sign <laughs> of graffiti tools. Whoops. And then he said, I'm here waiting for my girlfriend to pick me up. And I said, okay, I want to apologise then. And he said, you guys are psychos. Just fuck off. And then a car pulled up and he got in and I thought afterwards, is the vigilante game for us or are we just too old? (laughs) Because you've done this before. I know. And I feel if I do it one more time, I'm going to get us in trouble. You're paranoid about graffiti. That's, I think, the issue. It is. You're absolutely paranoid about it. (laughs) I may have to get some therapy for that. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll see you all in two weeks. If you made it this far, I'm hoping that you enjoyed the podcast. If you could subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review, that would be much appreciated. It really helps other people find the podcast. Not that I'm desperate or anything. 